exit the matrix. Hi everybody, I have a very special video today. It is an interview with my friend Billy Carson, otherwise known as Forbidden Knowledge. I have wanted to interview him for such a long time now. We finally made it happen and we had a lot of fun doing it. We cover a lot of really good topics. We go into, you know, quantum mechanics to astral projection, uh, genetic modification on this planet to the divine feminine energy rising. He's a huge supporter of uh, women, um, you know, recognizing their power. And um, we also go into the Anunnaki and that part's really interesting as well. Uh, we will go into a lot of his projects that he's working on uh, and I learned some new things that I didn't know about Billy previously so I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as we did. Okay thank you so much for doing this Billy. Um, I to, um, you know chat to you and interview you for a long time but it just felt right the other week I was like you know what it's time to do it I just come back from the States so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this I'm glad to be here I mean you know we've um, known each other for some time now and we've uh, seen each other at conferences and shared content back and forth through uh, social media uh, and through blogging and everything else and I'm really excited to you know be able to have a conversation that we can you know put some good information uh, to maybe help some people out there yeah, I mean, you're always traveling and then you're always here and you're there and you're all over the place. And I think it's amazing. And I totally want to do that too someday. But what have you got going on right now? You said you're in Colorado. Yeah, right now I'm in Colorado. I'm at Gaia.com. Uh, they have their corporate headquarters here in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm mm -hmm. sitting here in my hotel right now. I've been recording the last couple of days. Uh, just recorded a, a, a great uh, episode with George Nuri on Beyond Belief and um, working on some other marketing pieces for the platform because they gave me my own ambassador uh, account. So I have, you know, Forbidden Knowledge you know, has its own account there with my own channel, so to speak, with my own actual shows and things that I handpicked that I want my viewers to be able to see. So we were wow. doing some customizations on that. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting stuff. And then I got to go back to the studio again uh, in a little while to record some more. And I know recently when I was talking to you, you mentioned that you were doing work with um, Dame Dash. Yeah, an amazing, uh, you know, thrill ride. So basically, um, you know, he had been following my Forbidden Knowledge account for a while. Uh, mm. I didn't even know about it. Somebody told me that, you know, Damon Dash is following Forbidden Knowledge. And I was like, really? Wow. Because I was kind of a fan of his. I mean, I know what type of a business, you know, Tycoon, he was in, in the entertainment industry. And he's a producer, a director kind of a person who really likes to be independent like I do. So a lot of the things that he did along the lines of production and directing and, and all that, I was like, wow, this is the kind of stuff I want to be able to do because I want to be able to wear all the hats. Uh, so I followed him back and then that led mm -hmm. to a direct message conversation. And he was like, man, I'm a you know, big fan of yours. And I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. you know, like, why <laughs> uh, and he was like, you know, I'd love to have some of your content on my network. Uh, you know, the Damon, the Dame Dash Studios Network, now it's called DTV. I was like, you ain't said nothing but a thing. I'll hop on a plane tomorrow and I'll come up <laughs> there and we'll shoot some videos. And he was like, come on then. So the next thing I know, I was in his house <laughs> having breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. When you, when, when you mentioned that to me, I was like, this guy, really? I had absolutely no idea that he was, um, you know, yeah. um, into this, but you said that he's quite passionate about really getting this, you know, out there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, uh, And that's wonderful. And, I mean, you've got quite a few, um, you've got different celebrities and influencers that follow your page. Yeah. Um, have you ever had the opportunity to reach out to some of those people at all? Oh, yeah. I talked to quite a few of them. I mean, uh, Chris Brown, I've talked to him quite a few times through direct messaging. He's sent me drawings and things, you know, to analyze and look at. And, you know, um, we've had conversations wow. about certain things, yeah. And, you know, luckily he's reposted some of my content. Uh, Jaden Smith, I've, you know, talked to him through DM and text message. You know, he's got his cell phone. And I've even sent him to ancient sites around the world throughout his travels. His manager wow. says, hey, he's going to be in so-and-so city. Do you know a place that he can go to see something that has to do with the Anunnaki or ancient civilizations or whatever? And I'll say, okay, go here, go here. Meet this person here. Meet this person there. And I would set these meetings up for them. Um, you know, so that was pretty cool. And um, you know, just so many famous people off the top of my head. So many NFL and NBA players and uh, actors mm -hmm. and actresses and 
uh, the list is just like unbelievable. You know, one of the coolest things that happened to me recently was I was sitting on my phone the other night and I was uh, playing a Spotify playlist that has Chris Daughtry on it. One of the, you know, he's mm-hmm. a multi-platinum music artist. And um, I was playing a song. And I saw a notification come across my cell phone screen and I was like, Chris Daughtry? So I thought I was thinking Spotify has a notification system now. Like you can, I'm thinking maybe something new in the app. So I opened yeah. it up and it's an Instagram notification. He DM'd me while I was listening to his song. And says, wow. hey, man, you for a long time. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> crazy. What a synchronicity. Yeah, synchronicity, yes. And then, you know, he sent me a, one of the albums and, and I was just like blown away, you know. So it's just been an amazing ride to be able to see so many famous people reach out and want to have conversations, you know. I mean, they have to do it behind the scenes because, you know, they have to. So in some cases, to maintain that look and maintain what they're trying to do. But um, some of them are getting more and more bold as the day go by, you know, and, and they're beginning to post a lot of my stuff and get repost. I mean, Taraji P. Hansen has reposted my content, um, uh, you know, Buster Rhymes. I mean, the list goes on. So many famous people, they're slowly but surely, you know, getting comfortable with, being conscious and letting the world know that they have a different way of thinking, which is pretty cool. You know what? It's coming out more and more. If you look, it's sort of subtly come out. Like I know that Miguel had like the Ascension tour. If you look at the black eyed peas and their latest album, it's got the pyramids flying and everything like that. You know, Janae Iko, a lot of her, she's talking about frequencies and everything like that. So I think that it's there. And I think it's growing and it's growing. I think that there can be a lot of crazy disinformation that can be mixed up. And, you know, like there can be different levels and types of occultism, which, which are links. Um, but I hope that it goes in a positive direction and we, do, we can get the right information out there so it doesn't get taken advantage of, you know, in any way. But that's, that's really exciting. And, you know, a few years ago, I remember being in New York and I remember telling a producer, because, you know, I sing, mm-hmm. telling him that I was like, I only want to make conscious music. I only want to sing about these things. I think the world is ready to hear powerful messages. Like mm-hmm. their hearts are yearning for it, whether they understand it or not. I think that it's going to be coming. It's going to be coming. And I tried to encourage producers and they actually laughed at me. And one of them actually said, he looked at my IG page and he said to me, you need to be having more pictures of you like in your bikini or something like that and I was just sitting there like oh my is like you know and I was so sick of dealing with that in the industry and being an intellectual female I'm sorry but that is so degrading on so many levels and and also to the power that women really really hold and that's been suppressed it's very you know eye-opening but I stuck to my thing and I refused to work with anyone that was you know doing that I was like this is not why I'm here even if it got me money and or or whatever you know it just wasn't worth it and it wasn't going to work out in the end because it was going to contradict my whole purpose um and my own mission enlightenment through entertainment is really the key so you're already on the right path and finding a way to utilize your talents to to enlighten people with entertainment as kind of like a side effect is really the way to go. I mean, that's what Damon Dash was so excited about. And that's what we're doing a movie called Chronicles of the Anunnaki. Uh, so we'll probably love to have something from you on there. Maybe something, uh, maybe you do a single that will be on the on the um, Anunnaki um, soundtrack. You know, so, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're looking, we're, we're going to keep it as conscious as possible. And we're going to... Um, we're going to base it off of the ancient stone tablets. So those stone tablets have a little bit of everything in them. There's, you know, action, there's murder, there's love stories. There's a combination of, of so much already in the tablets. And we're going to, you know, bring that to the people. But we're also going to bring music to the people as well throughout the movie. That's awesome. And I'm so excited. A lot of people ask me, they go, you know, what TV shows are you into? I don't actually watch TV yeah. at all. So I don't watch, I don't even have Netflix. So I don't, I know that there's some good documentaries that you can find now. And, and someone was telling me that they saw you um, on a, sh- a documentary series or something like that. Well, I'm on the Travel Channel. Um, oh, there you well, go. I'm on, the travel channel. I'm on, I'm on uh, quite a few shows. I'm on the Travel Channel on two shows. One is called UFOs, The Untold Truth and UFOs, The Lost Evidence. So two UFO shows on the same network, but they're both in season two and every week a new episode comes out. Uh, so I'm in six episodes on each one of those shows. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and then I'm also on uh, Gaia TV, which is a Gaia.com. Mm-hmm. It's an app. It's on Roku. It's on uh, Amazon, Firestick now and Comcast. So, so many places now. 
But if you go in there and you look up uh, Billy Carson and if you go to the Gaia app on your smart TV or whatever, all the shows that I'm in will pop up on there. And a lot of my lectures they've taken, they've licensed my lectures and put them in there now too. So some of my oh, wow. lectures, references, yeah, are actually on Gaia, which I didn't even know until somebody told me about it. Uh, and then um, I'm on Dame Dash Studios on the DTV app. So if you get the Dame Dash Studios app and then go to Galaxy Network underneath there, you'll find some of my lectures, some of my interviews, and my new show, Forbidden Knowledge with Billy Carson. Uh, episode one came out already, and episode two is coming out next week. Okay, that I didn't know about that one um, because I've I watched quite a lot of the series on there. Like I've watched, I think, every single episode of Cosmic Disclosure and that type of thing. You know, that's the sort of stuff I sort of I'll prioritize just for my own research and knowledge. I think I've seen most of your stuff on there, and I have watched Ancient Civilizations, which was really really good. Deep Space, I think you. Yeah, I'm on Deep Space season one and two, and Ancient Civilizations only in season one of Ancient Civilizations. And I'm on four episodes of Beyond Belief with George Nouri, three episodes of Buzzsaw with Sean Stone, um, and then my lectures and so forth. Renner and tomorrow, well, tonight I'm doing an uh, interview with Regina Meredith, so I'll be on uh, her. She has her own talk show on Gaia, so I'll be on, on there as well. I love her. Yeah. She's one of my biggest inspirations, actually. And one day when I meet her, I'm going to tell her that. She's right. just phenomenal. And her, her own esoteric knowledge and spiritual knowledge is at such a high level yeah. and the quality of it. So her ability to, to converse in interviews, it's just so well-researched. It's so mm -hmm. well-rounded. And so I really respect her work. And yeah. you know what, Billy? There's not many females that are really out there doing this and that have a good foundational knowledge base that they can work from um, mm. and I really wish that that you know um, changes I think that there's a lot of you know female leadership that's starting yeah. to to you know rise up and I really encourage it particularly on my page I just want women to really see and really look within because this is this is it's time for us now mm -hmm. you know to, to to rise up and and join in and I and I want to see more women in this field being taken more seriously and um, yeah. just out there Absolutely. Um, so, 100%. Well, it's great to have support. Like you have been a really phenomenal support, you know, sharing my stuff and I really appreciate this. And so I've always stuck up for you and um, you know, that's why we're here right now. One thing I really did want to talk about was the first class space agency. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. can you talk a little bit more about that since that's <laughs> kind of still new? Yes. Very new. It's a new project. Um, it launched in, 2014 actually is when I founded the corporation in Florida uh, and I didn't know how big of a process it was going to be when I came up with the idea that look I want to start a space agency uh, because when you get into I knew that space was the next thing going into the future in terms of technology and revenue but also there were benefits to where if you get into the tech area of space and aerospace that research and development revenue can be used to generate um, technology that can be used here on earth and help people. And that was the whole process or my thought process behind it. So, you know, the key was to create professional motion generators, hydrogen generators, zero point energy generators, uh, as well as other types of technologies. But for the most part, the generators can be used right here on earth. And you can take a generator to a third world country and you can have somebody inside, you know, inside of, you know, unfortunately, a, you know, like a shack almost, you know, two walls on a tin roof. And they can have electricity so that they can at least pump water, feed their children, you know, cook food and so forth and so on, at least get them to the next level. And I think there's just so many people out there since my, during my travel that are just without electricity. Most recently when I went to Cambodia, I was exposed to literally seeing millions of people without electricity. And it was just like mind boggling to see this, you know, still in this day and age, there's people out there with no power. So I, my initial concept was to do that. And that's what I stuck with. Um, I didn't realize that you know, legally and everything else and all the things you have to do to, to get it registered the proper way uh, were going to be that, that massive. Uh, but eventually I did get, I got registered and, and, and approved with NATO, registered and approved with the European Space Agency and with NASA, wow. which really goes through the uh, SAMS system and the Pentagon. So I've been approved by the Pentagon. And what that means is it doesn't mean I work for NASA or the European Space Agency, but I have the capability now of contracting with them providing them with research and development 
or maybe even if I develop something, I can a, a nice prototype, which we're working on right now with the European Space Agency, I can actually present that to them uh, and they will actually fund part of my work. You see, so I can actually use their money to fund the work, develop and then sell it. So there's a lot of ways to make money in aerospace and tech and, and um, private, in the private space industry. So we're really excited about it. We have a couple of prototypes being developed right now for a perpetual motion generator. Uh, and a hydrogen generator that uses a, uses a very special type of electrolysis to extract hydrogen atoms from, from uh, the water and push them over into a chamber for combustion with a piston, and the only emission is steam. Uh, and we're also developing a graphene spacesuit, so almost kind of like the Black Panther look in a way. It's knife-proof, it's bulletproof, uh, and it's got metamaterials in it. Well, one version will have metamaterials, and metamaterials literally that can bend uh, photons around the object. So if you're wearing it and you want to go into a cloaking mode, you can actually bend light around your body and you'll have that predator movie type look, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's been used for different applications, obviously, uh, military or whatever. So we have that development, uh, a new air tank uh, that uses crystals to collect and store oxygen versus the very cumbersome oxygen tanks that people are uh, normally wearing. So these tanks can store three times the amount of oxygen with one third the amount of space and weight. Uh, so we're developing that. And another one of our things on our big plate for a 15 year project uh, we've started working on right now is a, um, a uh, subspace communications array. And this works through quantum entanglement through a crystal technology. So crystals can quantum entangle. So I'll give you a very small quick example. If you've got a, a crystal at the command center, connected mm -hmm. to the communications device. And then you have, you send out three crystals and three separate space probes that go way out into deep space, way out there like by Jupiter, by, by Neptune and so forth, you know, where it would take, a, take us a, a year to get to. Now you have a spaceship that goes out there by 2028, somebody 2030, somebody's flying out there by Jupiter and they want to send a message back to Earth. It could take a month to have that communication go back and forth. But if you have a subspace uh, communications array nearby, you can send your message to that array that array will then encode your message and piggyback quantum entangled message back to the home crystal and be decoded back here on Earth, bypassing the speed of light, bypassing weeks and weeks of, uh, of time. And you can get your message here almost instantaneously. So that's uh, one of the things we have in our big R&D um, development list. And some other projects that we're doing, prototypes for with 3D printers and so forth. And some funding that we you know, are, have been very fortunate to to get going right now with one uh, investor is $100 million. And the other one is for order of deep cycle batteries, which is 1 million deep cycle batteries to, to the government of Nigeria for $340 million. So we got a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it'll be good for people to have, I think, an avenue that where the intention is a little bit different, maybe to some of the other corporations that, that, you know, and companies that are existing um, because really that's what we really want at the end of the day. That's really the mission. And it is to support inventors because I think it's so overlooked. You know what I mean? I know Nikola Tesla is like the most obvious example of something like that, but I think that he's just one of many, um, you know, um, many, many other brilliant inventors and people who were into sciences that can contribute in this dimension, you know, yeah. of this resonance on a, on a, um, you know, on a level which will, which would just really help humanity in so many ways. So it's good to, I think, have a support system like that through avenues like this or, you know, with that potential. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a passion and it's a way to help a lot of people, you know, by utilizing private space. And some people don't understand it. Oh, you're trying to go be down with NASA. And I'm, you guys have no idea what I'm doing. You know, yeah, they never watched the, the movie Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got to create your own ways, you know. Um, it's a complicated system that we're in because it's so monopolized and, thing, and so controlled in those ways. But, you know, I, I think we shouldn't underestimate ourselves and what our capabilities are. And also, you know, the help that we, that we do have on an extra-dimensional um, mm -hmm. level as well. When our, when our intentions are good, I think right. that there's a lot of benevolent help that, that's still out there. I did want to talk a little bit about your book. I know you said you wrote it for your mother as well. So mm -hmm. this is the personal for you in yeah. some respects. I actually, well, I'll just show a little picture. I have it right next to me right here. I did have <laughs> the original one. <laughs> oh, yay. 
<laughs> I have the original one as well, which is on my mm. bookshelf, which I um, already uh, read a while back, which I told you. I know that you sent this out to other people as well, which I'm really grateful that you that you you know sent it out to me because it's broken down in a different way i think it's dissected a little bit so it's a little bit easier i think for people to to understand and also reference back on is there something or is there a particular um aspect of the book that or a topic within the book that is your personal favorite or you think is the most important to highlight from the book well, you know, there's one part that's my favorite and one that's, I think, the most important to highlight. The, the thing that's my favorite part of the whole book is the halls of Amenti, uh, where folk actually goes down beneath the Great Pyramid into these hidden chambers, which these chambers have been found and discovered. Now, the exact entranceway to get into the halls, the powers that be have already accessed it because they've discovered the rooms down there, but they've kept it out, you know, from the general population. We can't get in. Well, we mm -hmm. have been able to get down into the shaft of Osiris and everything else, which is way down deep beneath the Great Pyramid. Uh, but what really excites me about the Halls of Amenti is that they're literally talking about 32 gods, which are, you know, really just people. And they have the capability of cloning bodies that, are, that look human but aren't human. This is like the Avatar movie in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you just can't make this kind of stuff up. You know, so they're cloning these bodies, they're making these humanoid-looking bodies so that they say that they can walk amongst men, but unlike a man. They didn't take existing people and overwrite their bodies. They took, they made their own empty sleeves and transferred their consciousness into these bodies, and they would walk amongst men and uh, teach and learn and everything else, and some would rule, and some would be good, and some would be bad, but, but they did it. So to me, the most intriguing part is the fact that we now are trying to do the same exact thing in this day and age with DARPA with the Avatar project in the military, where we transfer a, robot, uh, transfer a soldier's consciousness into a field robot. And then the 2045 project out of Russia, where they've already transferred a, a monkey's a mind consciousness into a computer. And now they've transferred to a robot. They did that in 2010. And now the 2045 goal is to actually transfer consciousness into an actual Avatar biological sleeve, which I think they'll be able to do because we, the biggest thing holding us back was storage capacity. And now that we have DNA hard drives, thanks to Microsoft inventing the first one, I've been talking about this on Forbidden Knowledge for, for years, for five years now, that DNA will be a storage medium. And uh, so now they have that, and I think that mm. they will definitely be able to transfer consciousness into an empty avatar body, just like the movie. So to me, that's like one of the most intriguing things because it's like really like the ancient past and the current day merging and showing that, you know, this is real. And I think the most important part of the entire um, book is the message. The overall message is that no matter where you are in life, no matter where you are consciously, no matter where you are as a civilization or whatever, no matter what planet you're on, you have the capability as a person, as an individual, and also as a, as a civilization to rise above the darkness and seek the light and, 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 and help people and have unconditional love for people. That's the ultimate message that folk left behind. And that's the only real thing that's truly the most important in the whole book is the fact that if you exercise unconditional love, if you seek the light and, and, and you know, use his techniques of meditation to overcome the darkness, the dark brothers, you can ascend to a high level of civilization and maintain it. And I think that's the key thing. Uh, we keep rising and falling. And both themselves claims to have traveled to many planets and watched civilizations rise and fall. And I think that there's nowhere written that says that we have to keep falling. Uh, and his real, to me, the hidden message between all of this is the fact that he wants us to rise up and stay up and that this information was left for, you know, written back then, but left for a time frame where we exist. Because if you would just let me real quick, just read the last words of both mm -hmm. Hermes Thrice the Great. His last words are wise words, although written by my decaying hand, remain imperishable through time, imbued with the medicine of immortality by the Allmaster. Be unseen and undiscovered by all those who come and go, wandering the wastelands of life. Be hidden until an older heaven births human beings who are worthy of your wisdom. So right now, we are the human beings that have been birthed in this, under this sun that he's referencing in the book, in his last words, that we are the people that are now here to decipher and understand this message, this esoteric wisdom, to allow ourselves to break out of this mental and psychological matrix and take ourselves to the next level as a species on this planet.
ones I think of all you know those those foundational principles to things and there's so many layers upon layers to to understanding this and what he's really saying I think that we do have the choice of I I think it does rise and fall um, because I think source, you know, energy expanding in itself is going to go through every possibility of every, you know, so you've got that side of an aspect of things. But, you know, we're in a reality that's being manipulated, which has been hijacked. Mm-hmm. And I think that that aspect is something that we can really put into action and go, no, we can actually take back control over our own collective consciousness. It doesn't have to be manipulated in this way. And getting back into DNA, I think it really all comes down to a lot of that at the end of the day. Um, You know, I've done research on, you know, planetary grids and um, even different portals and, you know, mother arc sort of, you know, portals that exist. I think that, Um, not everyone can access maybe all of them or not, at least at the moment. I think the DNA has to be operating in a certain way or of a certain level. And so let's talk a little bit about the Anunnaki. I know that that's something that you're well affiliated with in that research. I have written certain blogs on it and I have done quite a lot of research with, uh, with a lot of other people in relation to the Anunnaki. They do say that a female was the first of us our pr- prototype now the human the human being itself not being the actual first like us being a prototype of the humanoid can you go a little bit more into that or what what you know i know it's a really big topic but if you want to highlight some points yeah well you know initially when the anunnaki came here there was an existing hominid already here they kind of left us alone that was our those were our cousins in my personal opinion they kind of left us alone they were not homo sapiens sapiens they were something else um, and they've commenced doing all the mining and, and, and uh, drilling and everything and all the labor and work and the drudging of all the canals and all that. They did it all their, on their own without us until the workload became extremely heavy and people started complaining. And then the EGG who came down from Mars to start a war because they were pissed off because they were up there in more harsh conditions, doing a lot of work, doing a lot of labor. And they were getting, they had no women, which is one of their biggest complaints <laughs> that they had no women. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, the, the conditions were extremely harsh. And when they came here, they were getting ready to go to war against Enki and Enlil uh, right in, in Africa. So uh, what happened was Enki said, okay, I have an idea. There's an existing hominid on this planet we can you know, genetically modify. But before they got to that point of doing that genetic modification, they commenced to doing some cloning and creating these clone type of um, hominids, so to speak. And uh, they did start off with a woman because a woman has a womb and a womb can, you know, give birth to others. One of the things I've found in my research is that they had difficulty replicating or reproducing. It became an issue. Uh, Some were not able to reproduce the proper way. When they were able to get some that were able to reproduce, it wasn't fast enough. And there was a lot of defects and other issues. And that's when uh, one of the Anunnaki women said, that's it. I'm going to uh, take this baby to you know to term in my own womb and that's when they took an existing hominid took an egg out then uh, cleaned out some of the genetic material added some of the Anunnaki genetic material inserted it back into her womb in modern science we call that making a zygote that's actually a real term and a real thing that we do in science right now today and then she took it to a 10-month term and gave birth to the Adamu which means first man and there's a famous cylinder scroll of her holding up that baby saying my hands have created it you know, so that's when Homo sapiens sapiens got here. But by the time Homo sapiens sapiens got here, there were already probably close to millions of people already on the planet that had been, uh, that were already being utilized by these Anunnaki beings for slave labor and so forth. Uh, you know, so we were, we're the new kids on the block, so to speak. We just got here. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I know that they speak of the womb itself being like this extra geometry within the female body. And then it just, for me, it excites me because I'm like, if women started to realize just their own structure and how powerful they are and how they can transmute light in their own sort of way. Wow. That's just an exciting thing, you know, to, to look yeah. forward to. And um, I guess to make women more aware of their own power, well, um, you know, for, for, to, for restoration and balance. Yeah. Women have been oppressed for a specific reason. And that reason is because the men are realizing how powerful women are and really the energy of the universe, the divine energy is a feminine energy, it's a Sophia energy. 
that emanates out of the vesica piscis, which looks like a womb. I have, I'm wearing a flower of life, and every intersection of these circles is a vesica piscis, and that is a womb, literally. So this is the face of God. I'm wearing the face of God on my, not a cross. This is the face of God. <laughs> and the energy that emanates throughout the entire universe is a feminine energy. Uh, so a lot, they want to hide this from everybody. Keep women out of the church. Keep women out of the synagogue. Keep women out of this. Keep women from voting. Keep women from working. Keep them. Keep just suppress, suppress, oppress, oppress, kill them, murder them, rape them. If you read the modern day Bible in the Book of Deuteronomy, it literally says this: God is speaking, but it's not really God. We know because we know better. It's really one of the Anunnaki gods speaking, and he tells uh, one of the people that if you see uh, a woman walking through a field and you choose to take her, you can rape her. But if you rape her, just keep her as your wife. So now you have stalking you have rape and you have abduction and you have false imprisonment that's four major charges in today's day and age okay and this is supposed to be the all-knowing all-loving god but it's really not it's really these anarchy people but that's just another point is to keep women down and by any means necessary so they don't realize the true power and divinity that literally emanates directly out of them yes and it's so good to hear that coming, you know, from a man and who's not threatened by it. I love, I love it when I talk to different men and they're so supportive of, of, um, you know, women starting to own and at least try and understand their own power for that right. restoration. It's really good to have the men that support it and are not threatened by it. I really cannot stress that enough. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think genetic mod modification, I think that's been going on for such a long time. I mean, obviously not just in the ancient times, but in modern day science, I think it's, you know, underneath the table, I think it's been happening quite a lot to a very, very advanced level. I know that we'll focus on what's scientifically proven, but I know you and I know that there's so much more that's, you know, how you, how you translate that or communicate that to people who have different levels of understanding and knowledge and yeah. you know you don't want to completely scare people out of the yeah. <laughs> you know straight away because that's not effective that's you know it doesn't really do anything when yeah. we work off that sort of fear-based triggering there's so much going on in these dark projects these black budget projects some has already come out like the fact that they put human brain cells into into apes i mean you know they put human brain cells into mice and the mice are like now way more conscious and, and much more intelligent. So um, if they've come out with that information, you can only imagine what else they've done with some of the, you know, behind the doors cloning and, uh, you know, probably even trying to create hybrids of different animals or different people. Maybe even if they have been able to capture some alien uh, craft and maybe taking, and it passed away, maybe taking some of the DNA from that and splicing with human. There's so many things that are probably going on behind the scenes. It would be like a, a shop of horrors, you know. Um, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> but there's a lot of mad scientists on this planet, and as soon as we give them a little bit of ability and a little bit of power and a little bit of darkness to hide in, they go right to work. Yeah, I think the thing that's a bit scary is that the level of consciousness, it's not, it's not a high level of consciousness. So they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know what they're operating with. And I think that that's been modern day man's sort of biggest, I mean, in everything that they do, they sort of create things, but they sort of, they don't know what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's always a reflection of their own level of consciousness or, you know, at least where the collective is at right now yeah. and what's um, funding all of it. So I know that there is, I know, for example, in research, you have, you know, you can have the researchers which are very analytical, the ones who are great journalists, they've got all of the facts and, you know, you've got people like Linda Mollenhau, for example. And then you've got people, like, because I sort of put it into two different categories, and then you've got the people who are like the mystics, the people who are really accessing their multidimensional selves, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's easy for them. Astral projection is natural. Seeing, you know, be a little bit more of the spectrum or, or inter interacting and seeing energy and being able to manipulate energy in certain ways. You've got those people. Yeah. I kind of look for an infusion of both yeah. because I, and because, you know, and I have my own clairvoyance, you know, abilities and stuff like that. And I think it's, you can be subject to interpretation. Yeah which is the thing which, you know, can be a little bit, uh, and I know, I know, for, I know when mili the military used astral projectors, right. Mm -hmm. They would use, they had psychics that they would use, but then they would have other ones who they were more like soldiers 
And right. the soldiers actually turned out to be more effective because they didn't have their own, they weren't subject to that interpretation. They were just based it on solid blah, blah, blah. And they could, if they were blocked, if there were blocks in that, you know, they could get past it because right. they weren't emotionally affected by anything. They just used different strategies. Not saying that that's a more powerful way to operate. It's just saying, it's it just an example of how an infusion of both is really important but i don't agree with the certain researchers who are like if they're into the mystics they're all bullshit and i i think you need people who can access their multi-dimensional selves you know these people maybe are of a certain lineage or, or you know their dna is a certain way and i think yeah. that these people should be taken seriously and that's that's why i always i always refer to nikola tesla because for me he was both people yeah. would say he was paranormal in his presence yeah. Uh, you know, because he had those abilities, but he was also on an intellectual level. He was just, you know, <laughs> on next level when it came to those types of right. things. So do you agree with, with, with that perspective? Oh, absolutely. You hit it right on the head. I mean, I was trained by Major Ed Gaines. He's a part of Project Stargate. You can look it up on Wikipedia. He's the mm -hmm. person that directly trained me in remote viewing. And so you hit it right on the head, exactly what you said. They had uh, psychics but the psychic's results weren't as crisp and as direct as the remote viewer's results. Because remote, remote viewing, you're more direct. As a matter of fact, the first thing you do when you become, when you, when you pick a target, when you're given a target, most usually the target is just a number. They don't even, you know, yeah. you know, nothing to see. You don't even know what the target is. It's completely blind. So there's no, like with psychics, they would ask a few questions and they would start generating their own concept in their mind, which kind of gets mixed in with some of the clairvoyance. But with remote viewing, you're given like a target number, and that number could be anything, anywhere in the world, in any location, in any space, even any time. And then that target, uh, you, you have to do something called, draw something called an idiom, and it's something that you squiggle on a piece of paper. And from that time that you draw that, you can't even think. If you think more than two seconds about the squiggle, you have to stop and start all over again, because you've already tainted the, uh, in the entire remote viewing process. It's mm. a very specific, arduous process, and it's very direct, and it's, it, it's um, there's a way to do it in order to get the best result and, and keep out too many of your own thoughts and your own concepts and ideas and strictly strict to stick to what the universe is directly taking you to. So it's pretty uh, impressive stuff. And how I became one of the top anomaly hunters in the world and finding all of these anomalies on the Mars, Moon, and, and, uh, and uh, all the NASA images and European Space Agency images was I used to use remote viewing to find anomalies. Then I would get the images and then I would download them and I would go right to those anomalies that I saw and I would just download them and make them into images that I would then put it onto the network. But a lot of the anomalies I discovered were discovered through remote viewing. But I think it's very important to have a combination of, like you say, the hardcore evidence and the facts. I like to go to science. I like to go to ancient tablets and ancient history that I can back up information. I like to go to field research and say, look, I was there in person. I did this. I did that. I talked to this person, that person. And then I can add it to different meditations that I can do where I can see the geometric grid that I've been doing that since I was a kid that I can do remote viewing, uh, you know, that I can use that guy. I can understand and utilize my intuition and feel my way through this matrix and utilize all of those things together combined to give myself the best life path and the best reality tunnel that I can create for myself and help others. And it's really important if you can do that, you can take yourself to a whole other level. Uh, and some people are more one sided one way, one sided one way. You could tell that they, you know, if they were able to combine the two together, there's so much more that you can achieve. And I've been able to literally unlock myself, unlock myself for creativity, unlock myself, you know, for research and, 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 and intuition and study and, and family and everything else. I mean, I, feel, I really feel at this point, whatever I set my mind to do, I literally can achieve it because there's so much operating already within me. If I say I want to play a guitar, I'll learn how to play guitar within a month. If I, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. I just feel like I can tackle it. Tackle it. And, um, you know, so it's really a great thing to be able to have and do. And I think that people really started to practice that because it's something you can acquire. It doesn't mean you just because you're not doing it, you don't have it. Yeah. You have one or you have the other. You need to start looking and researching into both and finding out how to combine those two together. Um, and uh, and you, people will be surprised and amazed just how really amazing the human body is and the conscious, consciousness com combination is. It's almost like trying to combine science with spirituality. Those two have to go together, and people won't realize yeah. that. Some people would be on my site going, you're talking too much about spirituality, uh, not enough science. You're talking about too much about science without enough spirituality. I'm like, no, it's, it's yeah. both. They work together hand in hand.
Yeah, and you have to experience it for yourself. And that's why I encourage people to to go into not just doing their own research from an analytical perspective, but to try and, you know, to, to test their own psychic abilities, to grow mm-hmm. it and to nurture those those abilities because I think that that's the direction we want to go in. It's not a taboo thing. It's not something that only some people can do. I think that there's certain DNA and and that in people that allow people to maybe operate at different levels. People are at different soul evolutions. So what they're accessing might be different, but everyone has that potential. Everyone is connected to source. Everyone is a fractal source. So there is a door that's there and it's up to you and how far you want to go. Don't abuse it. Do not use it for power and self-service because that is what's currently happening to the world and why. So no one wins at the end of the day, really. No one really wins if we have that that motive. But there definitely are ones, and some of the most powerful ones that I've ever interacted with. They're not. They're almost hiding, Billy. They're 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 not. You 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 might even not even ever imagine that person while you're walking down the street to have a, have those abilities. There are some that have incarnated here who are harnessing extreme power. (laughs) I think once you experience it or you start tapping into things for yourself, you don't question, you don't need, you don't need to go, oh, do you really believe in this stuff? It's like, I'm experiencing it. This is my reality. This Mm -hmm. is not, I'm not basing it off somebody else's work and research. And that's why that other, your own spirituality has to be a part of it because that's, you know, you you know what I'm saying. Do you personally feel like you are, uh, do you associate yourself with a certain star system or something like that? Have you accessed yourself on a level where you can connect, connect the dots? I mean, you don't have to share that, but if you want to. <laughs> I, really, I really feel like I connect with the Pleiadian star cluster, um, you know, the seven sisters, and which is one of the biggest reasons why I want to do this movie called Chronicles of the Anunnaki, because mm-hmm. I want to start off in the Pleiades, where there's a war between the Lyrans and the Syrians, a galactic war in space. And that's where I really want to start this saga. I really feel linked to that region um, of space for whatever reason. And a lot of the the, uh, artifacts that I've collected over the years, they have this representation of the seven sisters of the Pleiadian star cluster on them. I mean, so many different artifacts. It's like, why are they all referencing the Pleiadian star cluster? This is really amazing Mm -hmm. stuff. And even when I was researching a lot of the anomalies on Mars, I came across a couple of anomalies that line up or align with the Canadian star cluster. And I think that, in my opinion, there a lot of us um, in past lives may have originated from that uh, that star system. And uh, based on what I've done now in research about these galactic wars, I feel like that there was a major, major war and a major weapon was released in that region, uh, which caused a lot of debris, a planet destroyer. And uh, a lot of debris was uh, was flying around, crashing into other planets, causing a lot of people to try to evacuate. The ones that did survive were like refugees. A lot of them ended up in the Orion and some in the Sirius. And some, I believe, crash landed on a planet named Nibiru that was orbiting a brown dwarf star that eventually got captured by our solar system and put into a very weird orbit. Uh, so that's really where I'm going with the whole movie. And that's really you know, how I wrote the um know the initial uh, script and, and everything else uh, the treatment for the movie and, and everybody was like wow this is amazing so I you know I'm really drawn to that to that star system the Pleiadian star system I really feel that that's where a lot of us originate from in terms of like you know our progenitors our original cousins blood relatives whatever you want to call it and then much later uh, we ended up uh, probably in uh, on, a, on a planet named uh, Tiamat and then once that planet got destroyed uh, part of that planet, a huge chunk of it swung away and became the Earth with all the organic material on it, allowing everything to reform again. And the rest of it became the asteroid belt. You know, so uh, it's a big story. It's a big story. But that's where I feel. I feel drawn to the Pleiadians. Hmm. Actually, I remember being in your lecture in L.A. where you showed the video of the, you know, of um, TM1 and the asteroid belt. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so I remember seeing that, <laughs> seeing all about that. I think that, I mean, for people who don't know, the Pleiades, it's quite massive. You know, it's not small. I think that there are, I think that, not to use the word good and bad, but there are some that are self-serving and then there are some that are not. And I think that there's different alliances between different races. And also for people who might understand, don't 
don't process this in such a linear way, you've got to understand that there's different dimensions and densities. There's different layers of evolution that, that they sort of resonance that they exist in. So I think, I think that's what trips people out a little bit when they're trying to process information. I think they don't really maybe understand the construct of things. Not saying that we understand that completely too. We're still operating from a very, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, a small spectrum, but that's one thing for me. I don't question anymore. I don't question multidimensional reality and I don't question that it's all quantum yeah. and that it's, that, that it's layers upon layers. And when our sciences understand that, I think that we would really progress because mm -hmm. our own sciences are hindering us. Human beings are naturally multidimensional beings. This is what a lot of people don't realize and probably what they don't want us to know. The fact that we already are multidimensional. I saw a science uh, documentary one time where they were showing uh, a microscopic scan of human brain cells doing synapses. And during this, something weird happened. Some of the um, synapses and some of the actual um, uh, molecules in the brain, some of the matter, was phasing in and out of this reality. It was disappearing. They didn't know where it was going. They were like, where is it going? And somebody said, the, it's going to another dimension and coming back. This is quantum mechanics and quantum physics. This is a whole weird, weird realm you know, that we're digging into. The deeper you look, the more crazier things get. Um, you know, and we already are multidimensional beings. We're picking up information in these avatar vessels from another yep. dimension. We're downloading information. The brain doesn't create consciousness. It downloads consciousness. This is something else that people don't realize as well. And we're not living in real time either. We're living in delayed time. In other words, what we think is real time is actually just an illusion. And this is to be proven by a scientific study that was done where they put people in rooms and they put on the screen different images. They put a cap on their head with sensors to send information to a computer so that they can see what the human brain uh, electronically looks like when it sees something serene, when it sees something happy, when it sees something scary, when it sees something threatening, so they can pick up what the emotions are. Something weird happened by accident. So these images were spaced out 10 seconds apart. All of a sudden, the computer started printing out in the screen what the human brain was seeing before the next image popped up, up to seven seconds in advance. So up to seven yeah. seconds in advance, it knew what the next image was going to be. And this happened through multiple trials. And they were like, wait a minute, what does this mean? Well, it means that we're getting a download and we're not, we're not living in true real time. Information, everything that we're experiencing in this third dimension has already happened, so to speak. Yeah. So it's very weird. Yeah, it's very incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I, I sometimes have visions of things and um, of things before they happen about people that I, I don't, I'm not even close with. And, um, you know, or people close to me know that. And sometimes they'll come to me and go, if you see something, please tell me. But it's just, it's an example of how we're accessing it. Even in dream state, we're entering other dimensions and we're not limited to what we're just experiencing here on a, in a linear way. So it's, it's as linear and then it's holographic. And I, uh, once we go more to the holographic, I think that, things will make more sense but yeah. also for our level of understanding we'll still be like wow like yeah. oh my god that's that's you know a lot to comprehend yeah. is there any particular topic that you want to talk before about before i let you go at all well i'm doing an egyptian mystery school october 12th and 13th at dame dash studios in burbank california uh -huh. i'm going to be doing a very in-depth teaching on the egyptian mysteries Stuff that I've never talked about before in lectures or online or TV or, or, or video. Yeah. Um, and uh, some information that was shared with me and I'm going to share it with others. I've been given the approval to share it with people. And it's going to be for two days. Um, it's going to be a total of uh, 14 to 17 hours, somewhere in that range. Got a little entertainment program for them and everything else. So they can have a little bit of fun too. But it's going to be a very intimate setting. Limited seats are available and they can register on forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four, forbiddenknowledge.com. Uh, and the book is doing phenomenal. It's still a bestseller right now on Amazon, uh, which is really amazing because I only sell one third of the books through Amazon. The other two thirds I sell on my website because people want the autographed copy. Uh, so it's really, if I sold them all there, it would be probably number one instead of number six. But uh, for a limited time, I'm doing autographed copies on um, all of the books on Amazon as well, probably the next rest of this month. So uh, you can get the compendium of the Amazon tablets there. And I just want to thank you for having me on here so we can sit and chat and talk and, you know, share some knowledge with the people and hopefully this helps somebody. 
yeah it's just so wonderful connected to connect with you and i definitely want to see you at least by next year at the conscious life expo if dame if, if, if damien dash is there too it would be lovely to meet him as well but yeah no thank you so much for making the time i really appreciate it i told some of my followers that um, i'd be speaking with you and they're really excited so thank you thank you and um enjoy the rest of your evening and if there is there any is there any sort of link or anything that you want to share with people and how they can follow you it's it's at forbidden knowledge the main okay, but you've got so many different <laughs> i know i got so many accounts i got 130 <laughs> accounts now so oh my gosh yeah, so thankfully, because Forbidden Knowledge is actually down now, but the Facebook Forbidden Knowledge is still up, and all the other accounts are up right now. Uh, so um, you can follow me. Just Google Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge. I'll pop up on YouTube. I'll pop up on iTunes. I'll pop up on every social media platform uh, that you could think about. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everybody for all the, the many years that they've been uh, following and helping and sharing and everything else. And it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. Yes, indeed. Okay, thank you, Billy. Hey, everyone. This is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please, check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book. Hi, this is Billy Carson, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about my Egyptian mystery school that I teach at Dame Dash Studios in Burbank, California. The first mystery school was an absolute success. And we're looking forward to the second mystery school, December 7th and 8th, 2019. We will also be hosting a mystery school every month and a half. So you can check on ForbiddenKnowledge.com with the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Or check out my Instagram account for updates. The link tree is in my bio to go to the mystery school and you can register for classes there.